Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to CoastalOaksChurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Jonah chapter 1. If you can find the major prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, then you have all those minor prophets, little small books, Hosea, Joel, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Jonah's kind of wedged in there. It's on page 1239 if you need it. Okay, the book of Jonah. When my son was about three years old, we lived on a very busy street in Arlington. And he got out in the front yard one day. We were doing something. I don't remember exactly how this happened. But he took off running out into the road. And cars were always racing down the road. There were cars parked on the side where you couldn't see if a child would run out. And I hollered, Cameron, stop! And I think the tone of my voice was such that it scared him. And he kept running. Because he didn't know. He thought he was in trouble. Finally, I got his attention and I ran over and grabbed him and I said, son, and he was just shaking. I said, son, I was trying to protect you. I wasn't mad at you. And it took a while because our little son, you just have to look at him and he'd cry. So uh, that was one of those tough times where as a parent, I just wished I could have stopped him without yelling at him. We're going to look at a passage in scripture where God tried to get the attention of an individual. And instead of stopping and listening, he was afraid and he ran. Book of Jonah, chapter 1. Y'all there? Let's begin in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah, he didn't go, did he? But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You might say it this way, but Jonah ran. So he went down to Joppa, he found a ship which was going to Tarshish, he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He's running from the presence of God. Verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid and every man cried to his God and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship laying down and fallen, sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? And I wonder what tone of voice he used. (laughs) Probably shaking him. How is it that you're sleeping in the midst of all this? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Isn't it interesting, the godly one... The one who knew the Lord God is the one running, hiding, sleeping, apathetic. And these pagans are saying, you pray to your God. Maybe he can get us out of this mess. Verse 7, each man said to his mate, come let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. He was the short straw. The lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he had to fess up. Look at verse 9. He said to them, I am a Hebrew. Look at the next line. And I fear the Lord God 
of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now, I wonder if Jonah really and truly believed that or if he was just spitting it out. That's who I am. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of God. He made the heavens and the earth and the sea. I'm not sure. Then the men became extremely frightened and they said to him, who could do, who could you, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was ex- becoming ex- increasingly stormy. And he said to them, <laughs> pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Somewhere in there, Jonah realized it's his fault. However, the men rode desperately to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord. They did that. And they said, We pray earnestly, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah and threw him in the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Verse 17. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And many a song has been written about Jonah in the belly of the whale. Let's make some practical application today and learn some lessons from this reluctant missionary named Jonah. Number one, first thing we want to do is avoid the mistakes of Jonah. Would you agree with me that Jonah wasn't doing it right? He finally got it, but by and large, Jonah wasn't doing it right. So let's look at some of the mistakes he made and make application for us. First mistake, he was preoccupied with his own agenda. The first mistake we want to avoid is becoming preoccupied with your own agenda. Preoccupied with your own agenda. In chapter 1, the Bible says that God, the word of the Lord, spoke to Jonah saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, because its wickedness has come up before me. Basically, here's what God says to Jonah. Jonah, there is a city that's so bad that it's on my heart that I need to send someone to preach to them about my grace and my love. And Jonah, you're the guy. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah is thinking about Jonah. Oh, pastor, I'd never do that. I would never hear God really speak to me like that and be so preoccupied with my agenda, with my plans, with my things, that I wouldn't hear the voice of God. That's the way we live, isn't it? Aren't we there all the time? So preoccupied with family, with jobs, with career, with stuff, with relationships, with acquiring, with climbing the ladder, with making things fit in our life, with trying to put the puzzle together. Sometimes we're so preoccupied with how things aren't going right for us that all we can think about is how messed up my life is. And God is nudging. God is speaking. He's knocking. First mistake Jonah made. He was preoccupied with himself. Are you preoccupied with yourself so you don't hear the call of God? Or maybe when you hear it, you don't obey it. When I was a teenager, I was out in my front yard and doing something. I I heard this loud crash and then screech. 
Usually when there's a wreck, you hear the screeching and the crash. But this one, I heard this crash and then screeching tires. And I looked up just in time to see my neighbor buddy down the street plow, plowing into the car across the street, a parked car. And he moved it like six car lengths. And I ran over there to see if he was okay. Of course, he was okay. And he's kind of scrambling around and asked him what happened. And I looked at all over the seat were French fries and a Coke and a burger, I think. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I was, I was eating my French fries. And I just got off the road and hit that car. Totaled his dad's car and the neighbor's car. And, oh, it was bad. It was bad. All over some French fries. Ooh, man. Could you teach him some lessons? Don't you know that French fries can wait? Don't you know that French fries aren't good for you? Don't you know that French fries aren't supposed to be eaten while you're driving down a busy residential street? Don't you know that the most important thing is driving that car and keeping your eyes on the road and not being preoccupied with your dinner because your number one task is to drive the car? We could preach that lesson, couldn't we? Here's what God says through his word by application. Don't be so preoccupied with the French fries of your life. They might wait. That you take your eyes off the central task of responding to the call of God. Number one, let's avoid the mistake of being preoccupied with our own agenda. Letter B, let's avoid this mistake of being prompted by God, but being oblivious to His promptings. I like that word oblivious. It sounds good. Oblivious. Totally not even getting it. We had a teenage boy for a while. He outgrew that, sort of. But there were times where he was oblivious to anything else going on in his life except what he was doing right then. And I would call him, and I would talk to him. Sometimes I would text him from the other room. Cameron, <laughs> hello. And that would, that would get his attention. So preoccupied that when the prompting did come, I didn't even hear it. It's one thing to hear it and to ignore it because you're preoccupied. It's another thing to hear it and not even listen. Not a fifth grade teacher said that. You all hear me, but you're not listening to me. You know there's a difference? To listen is to say, God, I'm attentive. I'm, I'm focused. I'm, I'm ready to hear what you have to say to me through your word, through my time with you, prompted by God, but oblivious to those promptings. Look, look with me at verse 5. The sailors became afraid. Every man cried to his God. They threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Now, sailors in that day and time were pretty tough dudes. If the sailors are so afraid that they're going down, they're panicking. They're throwing cargo away. Their livelihood, by the way. See, when they got to the next port, they got paid based on the delivery of the cargo. They were willing to show up empty-handed and not get paid. Because they were so afraid of this storm. Okay, verse 5, middle of the verse again. There's that three-letter word, but, but Jonah. It'd be interesting to go through this whole book and see how many times it says, but Jonah. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen fast or sound asleep. The storm is God stirring and prompting. The storm is God's reminder, Jonah, you're going the wrong way. Jonah, this is not the ship you're supposed to be on. Jonah, you're supposed to be headed to Nineveh. Jonah, 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 Jonah. And he's just snoring. Sawing logs. 
make a noise, sound asleep. I think it's interesting that the New American Standard says, translates it that way, he'd fallen sound asleep. I've had some good sleep this last week. Just some of those nights where you're just so sound asleep when you wake up, you think you've been asleep for five minutes and the, the night's gone. Then you have to remind yourself that was good sleep because <laughs> you were out so deep. Jonah is oblivious to the storm that's going on, that's rocking the ship, that has all the sailors antsy and worried and fearful. Has God sent things into your life to remind you that He's calling you, that He's speaking to you? He may be calling you to salvation. He may be saying, I want you to give me your life in exchange for my life. He may be calling you to that, and you've heard His voice, and you haven't responded, so He's sending other ways of prompting you, and you're oblivious, you're not even listening. Might be your believer, and God's calling you to something significant. A ministry, a task, to share your faith... And you are so not in tune with him that you're oblivious to his promptings. Let's avoid that mistake. Third mistake to avoid. Presenting the greatest obstacle to God's plan. Now that's a scary thought. But here's a boatload of men who need the Lord too. And Jonah's not focused on them, he's focused on himself. There's a city called Nineveh that God is already working in. We know that because as we read the story, God has a great move of revival in that city. God's already at work. All he needs is for Jonah to obey and go and respond by faith and present the gospel to that nation, that people. Yet Jonah himself is the biggest obstacle to God getting the word to the city of Nineveh. Listen very carefully. If you're a believer and you're living in sin, you may be the greatest obstacle to your neighbors, to your family, to your co-workers, to your schoolmates coming to Christ. You may be like Jonah. You may have this mandate from God to make an impact on your world, but you're in sin and you're the obstacle. Sounds pretty unusual, doesn't it? That, that God would use you, yet you're the obstacle? Just like Jonah. God wants to use Jonah. That he's the obstacle. Someone said, you're the only Bible that others will read. You're the life of Christ lived out in that community, in that place, in your, in your work environment, in your school environment, in your neighborhood. Let's avoid the mistake of being the obstacle. I can't tell you how many times over my 20-something years as pastor, I've heard this phrase. Well, I'm not going to your church because so-and-so goes there, and they live this kind of life. And it grieves me, and it breaks my heart. I've heard your church has hypocrites in it. Someone said one time, your church is full of hypocrites. And I wasn't brave enough, but next time I might say it. No, we are not full. We have room for one more. So come on. Let's avoid those mistakes, okay? So we're going to avoid the mistakes of Jonah. Let's accept the mandate of Jesus. Number two, accept the mandate of Jesus. Now, we don't live in, in the, the 8th century uh, B.C. where Jonah lived. We don't live in that day and time that he did. We live right now, right here. 
And our commission is taken out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So let's look at that together. Keep your bookmarked in the book of Jonah because you won't be able to find it again. Now, y'all could probably recite Acts chapter 1, verse 8 without us reading it, but I want us to read it. If you don't have it highlighted in your Bible, it needs to be highlighted. This is one of those commissions that Jesus gave his disciples. This is the mission statement that we use as a church to build our mission strategy. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus says to his disciples. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. Here's what Jesus says in, in his commission to us. You will be my witnesses. Go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Go make disciples. Our commission is to go to the Ninevehs of our day. Can I say that again? Our commission is to go to the Ninevehs of our day. Nineveh was such a wicked place. The people around that kingdom, the Assyrians, feared them. They would take their captors, behead them, and they built an arch into their city with the heads of the people they had conquered. They were bad. They were wicked. And God called Jonah to go to them. It's part of why he ran. God has called us to reach the people who are the least likely to be reached. We all want to reach the good old boy, the nice lady, the person who might make a, a real benefit to our church family. God calls us to reach the people that aren't likely to be reached, to go to those of Nineveh. So let's take Jonah's, Jonah's uh, life and let's make application to us. Letter A. Here's how we accept the mandate of Jesus. Listen to the command to go. Listen to the command to go. Back in Jonah, chapter 1, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh. Go. Jonah, get up and go. First thing we want to do if we're going to follow the mandate of Jesus, we have to listen to his command. We have to arise and we have to go. See, the Great Commission is not coming here. That may be new to some of you. The Great Commission is go and tell. I know because I've, again, I pastored a while, and in the churches I was a member of before I was a pastor, and the churches I've been a pastor of, there is this tendency to say if we can get them to church, if we can just get them to church. By the way, who is the church? People. I would agree, yes, we need to get them to church if you're going to say the church is the people, if we can get them in relationship with you. But getting them in these four walls is not the Great Commission. I want us to bring people. I want us to invite people. I want us to be actively involved in inviting our lost friends and family members and co-workers to this place so they can hear the news. But that's not the Great Commission. It's not, y'all come on in. Got an empty seat over here. Come on. Why won't they come? I told them to come on. We can put on the sign sometime, come on in. The Great Commission is get up and go. You need to listen to that command. Thomas Carlyle said, God is waiting for a host of Jonas to come around to his way of loving people. 
God is waiting for a host of Jonas. Jonah finally came around to God's way. We'll look at this in chapter 3 in a minute. Finally came around to God's way of loving people. That's what God wants us to do. See, this sermon isn't about a person necessarily running from the Lord, but God may make that application. This is a, per, this is a sermon about us getting in the way and not fulfilling the commission God has called us to. Listen to the command to go. Did you hear it? Go. Be my witnesses. Share Christ with those who need Christ. Second mandate, a part of that mandate that we take application from Jonah's life. Learn God's plan. Learn God's plan. Look at verse 2. It's so simple in those first couple of verses. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Here's God's plan. Jonah, you just show up and you share your heart with them and you cry about the brokenness of a God who loves those people so much that he sent someone to tell them about his love. Do you get that? That God loves others so much that he would send us. When we've gone to, when our teams have gone to Nicaragua, Guatemala, next time it's going to be Guatemala, I think. To, to drill a well. They don't just go to drill a well. They go to say, God loves you. And he sent us to tell you that God loves you. When we go to Thailand, we'll do the same thing. We hand people a Bible to go to China with, go to the Chinese, and we say, this is because God loves you. We're here to tell you that God loves you. That's what God says for Jonah to do. That's God's plan. Learn God's plan. It's simple. Do what God tells you to do. Take his love to others. I, I know that, that I might be stretching a little bit, but we're going to stretch, okay? When he says to cry to the city of Nineveh, cry out about their wickedness, I believe God wants Jonah to be broken and not shame on you, Nineveh. Bad Nineveh. Bad Nineveh. That's the way some of you want to go to your coworkers and your family. Shame on you. You're being bad. You need to be good. Go to heaven. I think God says to Jonah, Jonah, you need a broken heart to be broken over those people whom you don't even know. You've heard stories about them. You might be afraid of them, but Jonah, this is my plan. Go share with a broken heart. I always pray when I share Christ with someone. That, that I would share with a right heart attitude. God, help me to be broken. Not because this person's bad. Not because this person's in sin. But God, that you love them so much that you sent your only son to die for them. And they need to receive you. God, help me be broken over their sin. Broken over my sin. Learn the plan that God has for us. Just like Jonah. Be broken over sin. And then the third one, let her see. Let God use you as only he can. Now, we're not through, so don't put it away, all right? If Jonah had called a Billy Graham to go to Nineveh, yeah, Billy will get the job done. If Jonah had called Charles Stanley to go to Nineveh, it might take him a while. It might be a long sermon, but he'd get through to the Ninevites. There's a whole other story there. I'll tell it. 
when Kelly was pregnant, we were, we were invited to a Bible conference, and our church choir sang, and she was up in the choir. It was a huge choir combined. It was, there were hundreds in this choir. It was a long, can I tell this? I guess I've already started, might as well. This long Bible conference, and, uh, and Charles Stanley preached at that, and he went on and on and on. You know the stuff we see on TV and hear on the radio? It is edited. Because he says stuff over and over. And Anyway, so and I'm getting restless. We've been sitting there well over an hour. It's going an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm thinking about my pregnant wife in the choir. And pregnancy does something to your bladder. You know, it's almost like those little kids in there say, I'm going to find that place and push right now. Well, she is about to explode. And so I spent that worship service praying for her that she, because she couldn't leave. I mean, this huge conference and she'd have to walk down and all that. So she made it through, obviously. But anyway, that was my Charles Stanley aside. It might take him a while. That's where I was going. But he would get Nineveh converted. Oh, God called David Jeremiah. Man, he'll preach end times to them and they'll, they'll repent. Man, God, way to go. But God didn't. He called Jonah the reluctant missionary. He called Jonah the guy that was so oblivious, went to sleep while God was still trying to shake the boat to wake him out of it. And look at chapter 3 in the book of Jonah. Verse 1. This is a whole other sermon. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying... Arise. What's the, what's the word there? Go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went. I like that. Instead of, but Jonah went the other way, this one, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He, he was in on God's plan now. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' walk. Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Can I translate that or paraphrase that? God sent a revival to Nineveh, a pagan, godless, wicked city. And he used Jonah. What was so great about Jonah? You ready for this? Are you ready? He went. And he did what God told him to do. That's all. He just said, finally, okay, God, I get the message. Enough of being a great fish indigestion for however three days. I've had it with that. Again, a whole other sermon. But Jonah finally goes. And he allows God to use him. As only God can. When I was the uh, MC of the Gospel Music Festival, I did that a couple of years back before they got somebody that really knew what they were doing. I would have the responsibility on the platform of making announcements and all you know that the MC does, and and in those days it was a smaller deal. And uh, somebody came up to me as the MC and gave me some car keys, and said, uh, "Somebody left these car keys. Would you announce that?" So sure. So next break we had between one of those mini quartets, I stepped up and I said. We, we have a, someone's found a set of car keys. And as I was making the announcement, I looked over to the side there in the little kind of backstage thing. And the guy who brought the car keys was standing over there like this. He was waiting to see that the car keys got found. I thought, that's cool. He just didn't hand them to me. 
He wanted to be sure that those car keys got to the people and were found. And we found the person who gave their car keys and that guy thought that was cool. I, I just have this picture of God waiting on the sidelines saying, here's the car keys, Here, here's the answer. Here's Jesus. Deliver that message, will you? Stand up as the MC and announce, God has sent His one and only Son to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins. Receive Him by faith. And God the Father is waiting in the sidelines like this. Who's going to respond? I can hardly wait. Now, the only way God can wait for the response is if we make the announcement. Jonah learned it's all about making the announcement. How are we doing at announcing the good news? Let's learn our lesson from Jonah. Let's be the people of God. Let's share our faith. Let's follow him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the day. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the testimony of a man like Jonah who could run one day and surrender the next. Lord, I thank you that you call us out to be Jonah's with a broken heart for the sin of the world that we would share our faith, that we would go to others. Lord, whether you've called some of us to leave this place to go on mission for you to another country, to another state, to another land, whether you've called some of us to go on mission in this city, whether you've just called some of us to go to our coworker, our classmate, our neighbor, I pray we would get up and go. Lord, I trust today as you've spoken to some that we would obey. And in just simple obedience, say, Lord, here am I, send me. God, it may be today that you're calling someone to place their faith in you through your son, Jesus. I pray that today would be that day that they would make a commitment of their life to Christ and surrender all to you. We give you this few moments of invitation and commitment.